0: Well, we'd add a personal word of welcome to each and every one that's gathered in under the sound of her voice this morning. As far as I was concerned, I thought that everybody knew where Coke was because, well, I thought it was the center of the universe, but maybe that's, maybe that's wrong. But it's good to be here with you this morning in Sinfield and I want to thank Brian for his invitation to come and for her brother for leading for me today. Now, I would like to read with you this morning and Luke's Gospel on chapter 19 Luke's Gospel on chapter 19 Luke's Gospel in chapter 19 and we'll read together please from verse number 12 He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained thee ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in very little, have thou authority over ten cities." And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up, that thou layest not down, thou reapest that, thou didst not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee. "'Thou wicked servant, thou knewest that I was an austere man, "'taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. "'Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, "'that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury? "'And he said unto them that stood by, "'Take from him that had the pound, "'and give it unto him that hath ten pounds.' "'And they said unto him, "'Lord, he hath ten pounds.' For I say unto you, that unto every one which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him, but those mine servants which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. And we do indeed trust that God will bless the public reading of his word this morning. You know, we have read this parable this morning from Luke's Gospel concerning the ten pounds. A similar parable to the ten talents of Matthew's Gospel, but each has a different meaning and teaches us a different lesson. In this parable of the pounds, we see each servant given the same amount, which probably represents the message of the Gospel. We are to be like Paul, we are to deliver that which we have also received that we find in in 1 Corinthians 15. We've learned from a reading this morning about these ten servants who were each given a pound by their nobleman or their lord, ere he would take his journey into the far country. This pound that they had been given was equivalent to three months' uh, wages for a laboring man So it was a fairly significant sum of money. Just indeed as God has put the treasure in the earthen vessel. We see that as their Lord returns, he calls them, his servants, to give him a report of how well they have done, how well they have traded with his pound in his absence. You know, we are only brought three reports, two which are positive and one which is sadly a negative report. You know, the first servant brought 10 pounds more. The second brought 5 pounds more, and both were rewarded accordingly with that number of cities. You know, the other thing that we see here, or the first lesson that we're going to learn this morning, is that the reward for faithful work is always more work. The third report tells us that at least one of the ten servants didn't obey his master, and as a result, he lost even the original pound that the master had given him. It's a basic principle of Christian life that wasted opportunity, it, it means loss of reward, and it possibly also could mean the loss of that privilege of further service in the future. As we take a look at this this morning, I just want to draw your attention to one phrase in particular, and to use it as our title and as a springboard for our message this morning. And it's simply just the words, Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. You know, previously when I have been out and about preaching here and there, I have, on one occasion, and don't start to panic, we're not doing it this morning, on one occasion I preached seven points. And the seven points were simply came from the springboard at the end of Luke's gospel where the Savior said in the eighth verse of chapter 24, I think it is, and they remembered his words. And you know, I did a series of, of topics that particular morning when I spoke about the Savior's words And then we thought about commanding words where he said, follow me. We moved on to think about calming words where he said, peace be still. then, Then we thought concerning comforting words where the Lord Jesus Christ could say it as I, be not afraid. We thought then about challenging words where he said to Peter, upon the boisterous water he said, come. We thought about commissioning words where he says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. We thought about conquering words where the Savior could say it is finished. And then we thought about certain words where the Savior said, I will come again. You know, I was away a fortnight ago. I was over in Points Pass. And there I read from Luke's gospel again, and we were taken up with a different number of words that the Savior said, and it was just a simple phrase Go thou and do likewise. But this morning what we want to look at is this phrase occupy till I come. And I trust that before we go through the doors this morning, that we will all be challenged as we consider these simple words even today. Many times in life we are given a to-do list. Maybe it comes from our boss. Maybe for the men, they get it on a Saturday morning before the wife disappears up the street to do a bit of shopping. There are to-do lists that are to be found here, there, and everywhere. But you know, when I stopped to consider this spiritually, I very quickly realized that our time can be divided into two parts. How we spend our time with regards to those that are within and how we spend our time with regards to those that are without. I consider those that are within as those that are saved by the grace of God, maybe even those that are gathered in this place this morning. Those that you rub shoulder with week in, week out here in your local assembly. I just wonder how it is that we're rubbing shoulders with one another today. Is it just as we pass each other in the car park or maybe even in the porch? Or are we rubbing shoulders with one another as we bend down and as we seek to put our shoulder to the plough, as we seek to push the work forward even in the little locality here where the Lord has placed us? I wonder, have you ever heard the phrase that there's no I in team? But yet if you and I were to take the letter I, we would find that it takes 13 of them to make the word team. Just now imagine in your mind's eye on the front wall here the word team in block capital letters and count in your head those 13 little straight lines or I's that make that word. You know, the problem we have is What a do we want to be? Many would be happy enough to be the horizontal one on the T, up at the top of the pile. Maybe the top or the middle one on the E. But nobody would really want to be the bottom one on the E. Nobody would really want to be the horizontal one on the A. That's between two others which are literally holding it up. I wonder this morning, as we come to church today, are we filled with our own self-importance? I think this morning we could learn a lot by taking a look at the rugby scrum. It's as well my wife's not here, for she's sick looking at the rugby scrum. I think she was more than excited to see the last match being played last night for that to be done and dusted for another number of years. But you know, I don't know, ladies, if you know much about the rugby scrum or even maybe some of the men don't know much about it, but I think this morning there's plenty about it that we can learn, that we can apply to the church right here, right now, in 2023. I don't even play rugby, but I want you to learn these lessons with me today. You see, whenever you look at the rugby scrum, the two teams, they go head to head in a crouched position. But you know, everyone that's wearing the one color of T-shirt, and for you and I today, that's us as the assembly here. But you know, we should all be facing in the one direction. We should all be pushing in the one direction. We should all have that one goal. You know, when one goes to fall down, we should either try to keep them up or we should all fall down together. We should face the the enemy head on. Dear friends, this morning, no matter about the blood, the sweat, and the tears, we should all have our arms around about each other. You know, this last point, it made me go off on a slight tangent. This phrase, one another, it appears so many times in our Bible. In the Hebrews, we are thought about encouraging one another. Encouraging, this is the the act of inspiring one another, to have renewed courage, renewed spirit, or renewed hope. I wonder have we any encouragers in the building this morning? Maybe for you, dear sister, this morning, In your silent role within the church, maybe there are things that you do that nobody else knows anything about. Maybe for some of the men and standing at the front isn't for you, and yet there are things that you do that other people know nothing about. I wonder this morning, have we got a letter writer? I wonder today, have we got a card sender? I wonder, have we got someone today who's a text message sender? You know, this morning, I had three text messages before I left the house. One from a sister in Coke. One from a brother in Coke. And one from her brother, Colin Emerson, who's preaching in Coke. I wonder, dear friend, today, do you ever lift your phone? Do you ever send a text message, a wee word of encouragement? Or maybe it's something more practical. I wonder, maybe as you meet someone in the car park or up the street, maybe maybe could you give them a wee smile? Maybe you could give them that wee squeeze on the shoulder. Or maybe we could go all out and throw caution to the wind and maybe give them a hug. No, dear friends, the days in which we live, they're difficult days. Difficult days. I was glad to hear our brother mention tonight, you know, the older I get, the more I become interested in our young people. I was glad to hear, and it's a very good idea, having prayer time when the young folks are gathered Together, you know, our young folks are—they're embarking on things and saying things that we never seen in our lifetime, and how much they need our encouragement and our backing, even in these days. But you know, I haven't time to look at all of these today. But I'm going to make you a wee quote. It says, "This flatter me, and I will not believe you." Criticize me and I will not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. But listen for this. But encourage me and I will never forget you. Have we any encouragers in today? It was David, Dr. David Jeremiah that said some of the greatest success stories of history have followed a word of encouragement from a loved one, a trusted friend. When life is tiring, when you're struggling with your sin, when family members aren't saved, when bills aren't paid, when school is difficult, when work is exhausting, when your health is failing, When your loved ones hurt, when the future is unsure, when a good friend leaves, it's so easy to become discouraged. So let us encourage one another. Can I just modify it slightly this morning? Can I rewrite the King James for you this morning? Can I just put it like this? Our title for today is Occupy Till I Come. I wonder, could we read it in the margin of our Bible this morning? Encourage one another. What, just for today? Just because there's going to be a cup of tea after the evening meeting? No. Encourage one another till he come. You know, it goes on. Serve one another. Forgive one another. Each one of these, we need to be adding on to the end our new little tale, don't we? It's till he come. Edify one another. You know, Paul spoke about strife and vain glory as he wrote to the church at Philippi. Strife. It's pulling things down. Vainglory, it's putting ourselves up, as D.L. Moody put it. You know, maybe this morning, we need to take the words of Nehemiah 2 and 18 on our lips. and Maybe we need to say, let us rise up and build. Let us rise up and build. We could move on forbearing one another. Pray for one another. Dear saint of God, this morning when you hear something about someone else, don't lift the phone. Take it to the throne. Don't spread it in the locality. Spread it before the Lord. I was taken to the side one day by a brother in in our church something weighing heavy on his heart, and he says to me, Nigel, can I speak to you in confidence? He told me what his issue was, and when he was finished, I says, the only thing I'll do is I'll gossip it before the Lord. Dear friends, today, could we be praying the one for the other? Paul would set that example. As he wrote to the Thessalonians and to Philemon, he used the phrase, always making mention of you in my prayers. Again to the Philippians, always in every prayer of mine. To the Romans and the Ephesians, always in my prayers. And then as he would write to Timothy, he would speak concerning praying day and night. We'll move on again. Not praying for one another till he come, but what about washing one another's feet? Till he come. You know, when we think about washing one another's feet, you know, we might be happy enough to do it for the pastor or some of the elders or maybe even for the deacons. But I wonder, dear friends, are we happy to wash one another's feet till he come? Can I remind you whose feet the Lord was willing to wash? Peter, one who would deny. Judas, one who would betray. Thomas, one who would doubt. Collectively, the disciples, what does it say concerning them? It says they all forsook him and fled. I wonder, dear friend, this morning, is it a a ministry of humble service that the Lord is asking you to take up this morning. To find yourself sitting at a level that is below everyone else, I wonder will you accept that role this morning? Will you take up the towel and the basin? Or maybe for you, you're holding out for something better, some title, some position within the church, I think in my reading of the Bible, there aren't any of those things. Any of those things that we class that have a title, it's actually a work. It's actually a work. And for those that are in those positions today, can I just give you a word of encouragement? That as you do become discouraged because it's so easy to find yourself there, always remember that you're doing it as unto the Lord. Those simple things that people don't see, the ladies that come in week by week and clean the church, there's ten times more carpet in the church than there is in the house, and yet the ladies come in week by week, they're never seen. The deacons moves chairs that are never seen. They brush up around the car park. They trim hedges. They do all of these things, things that are never seen. All so nice whenever someone asks you to do something where you're standing at the front, where you think you'll get a little bit of recognition from men. Dear friend, today, can I encourage you that there's so many other things that need to be done around our churches even today. Lastly, and very quickly before I move on, can I touch on love one another? This phrase is repeated time and time again throughout the scriptures. Does that not tell us how important it is? You know, we preach to the lost a message of love, but yet as the people of God, it's something that we struggle to show. I wonder, will we love one another till he come? How is our loving this morning? The word of God makes it clear what things we aren't to love. We're to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. We need to be careful how we're getting on. We would never want to be getting on like the church at Ephesus, where it said that they were just going through the motions, just playing church, because they had left their first love. Can I remind you of the words of the Saviour in John 13? He says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another another. Just as we move to start thinking about those that are without, we need to remember that the Savior continued after that verse that I've just quoted, and he said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. So in short, these things should all be clearly visible amongst us as the people of God. Those that are without, those of the locality as they look on at those of us that are within, it should be clearly evident that we love one another. You know, when we consider this little phrase, occupy till I come, we're to occupy it means to busy oneself we have a purpose each of us here this morning have a purpose wonder what your purpose is today maybe you're here this morning and you're a little bit younger just starting out on that road can i encourage you to give it a go at anything and give it a go at everything. I'm quite guilty in the past of maybe asking people to do things that they weren't comfortable with. And you know I had the privilege of standing listening to a young man on Friday night giving a short word of testimony, and he said that in the past he had been pushed to the limit. Days gone by at school when it came around to time to do that English oral, to stand up at the front of the class, he just couldn't do it. Always failed. But yet he was able to say that he was able to get up and to speak in church, something that he never thought he'd be able to do. Young person today, take a look around And always remember that those people in the church that do all of the things that need to be done, our brother that led this morning, our brother that organizes the speaker and makes the announcements, all of these positions in the future, all of these jobs will need to be done. Will they be done by you? a challenge for you to think about this morning. Occupy, we're to busy ourselves. Till That tells us the period. Aye, that tells us about the person that it is indeed a privilege to serve. And come, that tells us concerning a promise that the Savior is coming again. You know, as we look at this phrase, I just want to use this just as a springboard just asked you the question this morning, how is it that you're occupying your time today? How is it that you intend to occupy your time in the week that we have entered upon? There are so many works, and I know that they're having a week off, but there are so many works. It's so refreshing to hear it announced this morning about those that are, have been exercised in taking up leadership roles within these works. You know, for us in Cook, on a Friday night, our youth gather together. You know, by the time you get to Friday, especially on the dark nights, it would be so easy just to say, oh, I could just sit beside the stove tonight. But dear friends, can I tell you about an awful problem that we have in Cook? We have an awful problem that on a Friday night around about eight o'clock, there would be somewhere between twenty and thirty young people, and they're battering the door of the church to get in. I had a report came back from a young girl, and she had went and she had tried another youth group on a Friday night. And do you know what she said? She said, "I'll not go back to that because they didn't read the Bible." They didn't speak to us. They just played games. I'm not sure what way that young girl stands before the Lord. She's an outsider to the church. But dear friends, tonight, what an encouragement it was for that to fall in my ears to hear. Just when you think that you're starting to struggle a wee bit, isn't it great just to get a wee word of encouragement? You know, as we consider those that are without today, I've made a short list. All of my messages today are connected to words or small phrases. Things that we're going to learn this morning as we consider those that are without. The Lord Jesus Christ, He gives us two that I have jotted down. He says, Search the Scriptures. What does that tell us about? That tells us about salvation. The Lord Jesus again, he says, learn of me. That tells us about education. When we come to Paul with regards to those that are without, what does Paul tell us? Well, he spoke to Timothy and he said, preach the word. That's the declaration. He said to pray without ceasing, that's supplication. He spoke about remembrance of me. That's our commemoration. He spoke about patiently waiting. That's our anticipation. He spoke about continuing in prayer. That's our continuation. What about Peter? What does he have to say on the whole thing? Well, Peter tells us to live unto righteousness. Righteousness. We see our living. We're to love the brethren, that's our loving. We're to watch on to prayer, that's our looking. Some of these things we do individually, some we do corporately, some we do publicly, some we do privately. But if we consider this list this morning and even just take three or four of them and apply them to ourselves today, with regards to those that are without, I wonder how are we getting on? How are we measuring up today? You know, as we consider preaching the word, I wonder, are we doing our best at every opportunity to reach the lost? When it comes to our praying, are we praying without ceasing? Are we praying for the lost that they may come to a knowledge of sins forgiven? You know, it has often been said that as you go from church to church, you go into these massive, amazing buildings. And as you come in, sometimes it can be true that you make your way through all of these other rooms, the kitchen and all of these things. And there's this wee small room at the back. And that's where we have our prayer meeting. I've referred to this before. I need to be careful what I say. I don't want to offend. I was tackled at the door about the comment that I'm about to make just now by a young fellow that goes to our church. I said to him that From looking at the outside of the building, it just looks like a Jaguar, an amazing car. And then when you pop the bonnet and lift it up, it just looks like a wee Ford Fiesta one-liter engine. He shook my hand at the door, and he said to me, he said, what are you trying to say about my car? But you understand what I mean this morning? It's the powerhouse of the church, and yet it's so neglected. I was over at the vicarin yesterday morning at the prophetic meeting, and the brother that had responsibility to speak, he reminded us again of the things that are on the horizon for this world. And they challenged us once again concerning those that are not saved. And they alluded to this very fact. That as the people of God, we have taken our eye off the ball when it comes to the prayer meeting. I wonder, can we get back to it even today and in the days that lie ahead? You know, we've thought about preaching the word, praying without ceasing. Paul said, patiently waiting. Challenge you again. How are you occupying your time? I used to have a gospel tract. My wife would probably tell you that it's in the office somewhere buried under... Thousands of other gospel tracts, but I came across a gospel tract one time and I kept a hold of it. And the gist of it was this what would it be if he were to return on a prayer meeting night and I wasn't there? That's the way that we should be living our lives. Do we believe this morning in the imminent return of our Lord Jesus Christ? What would it be to be found busy when He comes? That's how we would like it to be, isn't it? I can remember being told concerning the instance where obviously it wasn't the return of the Savior, but There was a brother that stood up one Sunday morning to speak at the table. He didn't get his message finished. He dropped dead, standing, ministering the word around the Lord's table. I wonder what about you and I today? You know, someone has said as a church I need to move on, get finished. As a church, we have many organizers, but few agonizers. We have many payers and players, but few prayers. We have many singers, but few clingers. We have lots of pastors, but few wrestlers. We have many fears, but few tears. We have much fashion, but little passion. We have many interferers, but few intercessors. We have many fighters, but few writers. You know, from these statements, we can clearly see that the church is no longer made up of those that are dedicated to the cause, but more so of those that are oblivious to what is going on around us. Our approach has become so casual can often see this in our attendance or the lack of it. We can see it as how we come. You know in some senses, I often wonder, if we put the same effort into our marriage or into our employment, what would the outcome be? Would we be single? Would we be unemployed? Or would we be both? We should live in the light of his return. And yet, for the people of God, we oftentimes are guilty of thinking, but someone else will do it. There's a girl that used to go to university with my oldest daughter. And her statement was this: If tomorrow's not the due date, today is not the due date. I wonder is that what we're guilty of today? Become so casual. You know, I think as a church here, I think all of us today could say in truth that we would like to be considered as a man or as a woman that honored the Son of God, that obeyed the word of God, that sought the face of God. We'd like to be thought of those that were involved in the work of God, that we encouraged the people of God, and that in some sense we had a burden for those that are without God. I trust that today, as I draw my remarks to a close, I trust that we today as the people of God that will go out today after having listened to these stammering remarks and I trust that we'll go out with a new vigor to seek to serve him. As we seek to look out for one another, those that are within and also as we seek to venture out into the community here and as we seek to reach those that are without, those that are still in their sins, it Says you, Nigel, you have challenged us this morning. I have. These are things that have been going around in my head. You know, oftentimes, as I speak, well, I suppose a fair wee bit and cook with us being vacant at the minute, But, you know, I often get up and I just say to them, you know, I'm just going to give you a wee insight. This is what the Lord has said to me this week. I never get up and say anything that I haven't applied to myself. But I wonder today, can I give you one more challenge before we close? As we think about those that are without Maybe there's someone in our meeting this morning and you're out of Christ and without a Savior. Can I speak to you for a moment? Can I ask you, dear friend, this morning, what will you do with Jesus today? This one that has left the splendor of heaven and come into this sin-cursed scene, this one that we have told the boys and girls about today that there needs to be that preparation before we meet him. I wonder just in the seat where you sit this morning, will you rest your all upon him? I can't save you today. But there's one at God's right hand who's able to see you. Will you place your faith and trust in him today? And can I challenge you, dear saved friend this morning, can I challenge you with this before I close? One last challenge. Why don't we start today? Why don't we just start right now? And as we seek to up our game, and as we seek to occupy ourselves till he comes, can I ask you this morning, who will you bring with you to the meeting tonight? God willing, I will be back with a message of the gospel. Dear friend, tonight, what would it be if this last Lord's Day evening in October, if we all made that effort, we were to see the church well-filled, what would it be if God were to move and God were to save? You know, all the glory would be His. But you know, wouldn't it be great that if we just had that wee bit of that we bit that we did just to see a sinner brought to the Saviour. I trust that tonight as you come out for the preaching of the Gospel that you'll indeed have someone with you that as yet doesn't know the Lord. We're going to sing in closing 672 in the hymn book 672 Facing a task unfinished that drives us to our knees, a need that undiminished rebukes our slothful ease. We'll stand to sing when we get the music, please, and just remain standing for a closing prayer.